0: Hi and welcome to another episode of the ScrumCast. I'm Jade Maskill. I'm Roy Vandewater. I'm Chris Conniebeer.
1: I'm Derek Neighbors.
2: Uh, so I was reading a uh, article this morning by uh, Todd Landry called What is the Right Iteration Length? And he was bringing up some um, some experiences that he had in trying to discover what the correct iteration length is. And he says that when they first started forming an Agile team, they were getting new to the concept and they figured they'd do one week iterations so they'd have a really quick feedback loop and be able to... To, to adjust as quickly as possible and uh, he says they did that for a little bit they felt that the overhead of all of the scrum ceremonies for one iteration uh, got out of hand and so they increased to two week iteration size and that he felt that that worked a lot better for him and then he says around the holidays uh, they kind of started a iteration where they said well we can't really do a real iteration so we're going to start now and then we're going to end when the last person leaves the building and it ended up being about a four week iteration and he says that, that one was a complete nightmare
0: yeah. Sound, right. It sounds that way. I've, so, I, know, I was, just kinda <laughs> I was about to unleash on that one, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So at Integrum, we, we have done a lot of one week sprints. Um, you know, you guys have all been part of those one week sprints. What do you think? Uh, you know, what was the positives from doing one week sprint?
1: Um, I think some of the positives were is that the uh, ceremonies were very targeted. You know, we had to learn how to keep them under control, and I think that's something that teams go through is that they don't do a good job at making sure that they keep those ceremonies under control, and that's why they get so much overhead from them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree. I, the, the number one thing that I hear from people is that the overhead on one-week sprints is too high. Um, And the only ceremony that I believe really has that amount of overhead is really the uh, sprint review, including the retrospective. And the main reason I say that is planning should be a rough estimate of a percentage of uh, time in your sprint. So if you're doing a four-week sprint you might spend an entire day. If you're doing a two-week sprint, you might spend a half day. So if you're doing a one-week sprint, maybe you're doing two hours. And I think what happens is a lot of teams in a one-week sprint spend a whole day doing planning, and then that's where they feel the overhead is. And I think they're just being inefficient in how they plan. Um, So I actually think it's poor planning that hurts one-week sprints, not that there's too much overhead. Um, And I've seen a lot of teams go, um, and we've played with this on and off, is on the retrospective side of the fence say, well, let's only do the retrospective every other week or do, like, a light version of the retrospective where we at least catalog, um, you know, real quickly some high-level frustrations but don't dig too deep. And then on the opposite week, dig a little bit deeper and spend a little bit more time during that. Um, And from a demo perspective, which is really, um, you know, the other element of it, you should be demoing your work pretty much as you complete it, so you shouldn't be building up a whole lot of uh, sprint demo time to begin with. So,
0: I think there's a lot of teams that don't follow that uh, particular piece of advice where they're demoing constantly.
2: But, but even if they're not demoing constantly, if they are only demoing one week's worth of stuff, then right. their demo shouldn't right. take uh, yeah. the same length of time. I, I think another thing
1: that kills people, too, is um, there's this really bad stigmatism that Uh, you have to uh, deploy when you have the end of a sprint. And so a lot of teams deploying is very painful. And so that eats up a lot of time is actually getting things deployed so that they can actually demo. Um, And so I I find that when there's a, a poor build environment that generally speaking teams are less likely to want to do one week sprints because the deployment for demoing is takes up half a sprint.
0: So, yeah, I, I always tell people that they need to, uh, you know, unhinge deployment and releases from the, their sprints.
2: However, I kind of feel like if you're, doing a re- if you're doing a deployment every two sprints, then that kind of builds up a cadence. It kind of, it, it does almost feel like it would make sense to... I think
0: it's nice, and it's good if you can get there, but I don't think they should be, dep- you know, solely dependent on each I think,
2: other. I think in an ideal situation, you're deploying as often as you're demoing, which is daily and right. you don't have to worry about it. Yes. I but think I- that's
0: a pretty highly evolved product or organization that can live in that continuous deployment world.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess where I get really concerned is I'm even okay as much as I might bag on it on a, a 30-day sprint or a four-week sprint is um, as, as long as a team understands that that's a, a segment of where they're at, not where they should be going. And so I get concerned when somebody starts with a one-week sprint and then pulls back to a two-week mm-hmm. sprint And says, well, for us, just a two-week sprint works better. Because what they're really not acknowledging is all the problems that are keeping them from being able to do a one-week sprint. So, I mean, I see teams do one-week sprints all the time really, really effectively, which means it's doable. And if it's not doable for your team, there's probably other symptoms that are happening that are, you know, either you've got poor deployment practices, you, you know, you're, you have bad product ownership, you, you have poor planning meetings, you know, an, a myriad of different things can be coming up that are preventing it from it. And so I think sometimes when people kind of roll back to this, uh, I'd say, less than ideal state, if they don't do it with a, we're only doing this for right now until we can get better at the other things, then I think that that's, that's dangerous.
2: I think there's some huge downsides too to doing one week sprints. Uh, I'm sorry, da- downsides not doing a one week sprint, specifically when it comes with regards to like research tasks. Like if I if I'm doing commitment driven planning and during my planning meeting I find out I don't have enough information I need to write a research task. If I have a one week sprint, then it's relatively low cost. I spend one week doing the research and in the following week I can immediately do that task. If I have a four week sprint, that means I do the research task. And that either means it's four weeks until I do the research task, and then I don't commit to getting it done until four weeks after that. So that means it's going to be eight weeks until that story gets done. Or I do the research task immediately, but then it will be four weeks before I actually address the story. So then there's four weeks between research but and But if it takes
1: you nine weeks to deploy, that's all okay. But, <laughs> well, and something that you know, we're talking about is that you know, so many of these teams I think that we hear when they're doing one week and then they go to two weeks, how many times do we hear it's right in the very beginning? So, they don't even, you know, you're talking about retrospecting, realizing what do we need to change, where they're getting used to this. So, it's probably taking them longer than it would. And are they really retrospecting, going, are we getting better at this? Can we stay at one week? So, I have some questions in regards to what did the team think of and why did they go to two weeks? So, so I'm not too oh. much overhead. Yeah. I yeah. Th-
0: well, I think, I think it reduces that pressure, like Derek's saying, that doing a one week sprint requires a lot of discipline and a lot of willingness to. Um, you know, introspect and, and really pay attention to yourself. And I think when when you see people, you know, getting really uncomfortable with that, it's because they're they're trying to get a little bit more of a buffer to feel a little bit safer. And I think that's okay in the early adoption phase. Uh, but but like Derek said, if if you just get stuck in that rut because well that's just what we do, um, I I think that's a bad place to be. That you should really be trying to challenge yourself. But I, I think that's reserved for teams that are a little bit more mature.
2: Yeah. I do think you're increasing your, uh, if you, with longer sprint sizes, you're increasing the risk uh, in a self-organizing team because when a self-organizing team comes up in a retrospective and comes up with an idea to try it in a one-week sprint, they can cancel out that new thing to try within one week. But if you have a four-week sprint, you're stuck with that for four weeks and that could be devastating to the company. Yeah.
0: If you're doing retrospective, I mean, you could yeah. you could also do retrospectives more disconnected often. from your sprint. That's true.
1: Yeah, and I, I, th- I think kind of, is an industry most people are doing two week sprints. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't know many people that are really on a thirty day or four week um, cycle. But one thing I'll say that I noticed with you know almost every team I encounter, um, the teams that like two week sprints only can pull in two or three stories generally per sprint, and when they task out to do their commitments, it's usually in terms of days. And I don't mean like ideal days. I mean, well, I'm going to work on this task today and tomorrow I'm going to work on that task. And when I see teams that are okay with one week sprints and actually prefer one week sprints, I usually see them pulling in three or four stories, at least per sprint. And they're pulling in tasks down to a 15 minute, you know, nothing bigger than an hour or two. And I think that that gives them a lot more fine grain control over Are they ahead or behind schedule, and and so it really helps them pick up pace. And that's not to say that people doing one-week sprints, um, you know, complete more stories. That's not the goal of you know bringing in more stories. But I think they have a habit of decomposing things to a smaller level, which gets them a better accuracy from a standpoint of when something's going wrong they know that it's going wrong a lot sooner and it's not because they're in a one week sprint it's because you know they're not having to wait till the end of the day to to figure out like oh i'm kind of behind schedule right. they they know that by lunchtime of the first day i am i'm, I'm a cu- an hour behind or or the team's 3 hours behind mm-hmm. um and it allows kind of those course corrections to happen within an hour of a sprint opposed to at the end of a week or at the
2: end of two weeks. So I, I, think, I think we kind of all agree then that uh, it, it seems like the shorter the sprint length, or at least in our case, we feel, really feel that a one-week sprint uh, provides the, the greatest amount of time, uh, like the greatest ability to, to react to change, to minimize the risk, and, and offers a lot more advantages. And that oftentimes a desire to go for longer-term sprints are a result of other pains on the team. Or other malfunctions within the team that that uh cause them to shy away from that.
0: Yep. I, I think there's also, you know, a few other you need to take the rest of the organization into account as well. Um I, I see a lot of challenges sometimes for development teams that are willing and able to go to one week sprints, but there's some impediment at the organizational level that's preventing them from doing that. I th- I think managers <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't gonna name names, but uh you know, I, I think that does factor into that as well and it's important for teams to be cognizant of that and also I think try to work towards solving that what what's ha- what's wrong or you know what's happening inside the organization that's preventing the other part of the team the product owner from being as responsive as the development team
1: it's not just product owners design too
0: <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast <laughs> <laughs> I
2: think that's it so thank you for joining us Bye-bye. see you next time bye bye, bye.
0: Hi, this is Mark Rabin from leanblog.org. I'm looking forward to being a future guest on Scrumcast, but you can also listen to my podcast if you go to leanpodcast.org. I cover Lean from a pretty broad perspective, including manufacturing, healthcare, and startups, and software. You can listen to podcasts that I've done with Eric Reese um, with... Brant Cooper and Patrick Vlaskovitz on um, customer development. So you can find all of these on iTunes if you search for Lean blog or go to leanpodcast.org.